tuned into Unsung Unwrapped, and we unwrap every episode of TV One's Unsung, and we are super excited about this episode because it is about Hezekiah Walker. Hezzy in the house. Hezzy in the house. Woo! Come on, everybody, put your hands on this. Come on. Now, if you grew up in the 90s, you grew up in church, as we did, which is where we met. And if you grew up singing in junior choir, young adult choir, Christian camp, (laughs) whatever, (laughs) chances are, if you grew up, especially in a black church, particularly in a black church, you definitely were singing Hezekiah Walker songs. So I was was pretty hyped. I was hyped as soon as the episode came on. How'd you feel about it? I had flashbacks. Mm -hmm. What I love about Hezekiah Walker is his songs... If you need a filler, like if offertory people are really giving and you need some extra time, you throw a Hezekiah Walker <laughs> song in it, you can do that song for a good 20 minutes. And not really change It'll too many of the words. No, it's the same words. It's just crescendos and crescendos. The harmony has to be tight. But if you do it just right, mm-hmm. people will give everything in their pockets. Go ahead, Hezzy. <laughs> yeah, no, I was, I was excited. I think that one thing that Unsung, of course, one thing that's great about Unsung is that they pay tribute to a lot of our our icons, our legends. And sometimes, sometimes gospel artists get left out of that conversation. Even as influential as they've been on mainstream culture, particularly when it comes to black music, I feel like gospel artists get left out of that conversation. So I think um, for him to be included for this, particularly how influential he was in the 90s, was really great and very due. So I'm really glad that they included Hezekiah Walker. And I think hopefully going forward, they'll include more because we do know in the African-American culture, gospel music is so important, even in R&B. It's not as Mm -hmm. separate as it might be in other genres and other cultures. It's very blended because when you listen to a lot of R&B artists, they'll say, I was influenced by... And a lot of times it's a gospel. So hopefully Unsung will continue with this tradition. Yeah. Yeah. I think it'd be great. I mean, there's not, there's not a Boys and Men or a Jodeci Harmony that's not a commissioned harmony. Right? Okay. Okay. <laughs> right? So like, it's, it's, it's very influential. So this was definitely, definitely timely. So we are going to go through what we go through every episode, the six degrees of Debar. Okay, so everybody who watches Unsung, you already know that the best episode of Unsung that has ever aired is the DeBarge episode. It's like the All My Children of Unsung. (laughs) After you watch that, you realize that you can kind of compare every other episode based on the aspects of DeBarge, right? Church, addiction, business deals going wrong relationship issues solo aspirations and then at the end is it happily ever after or a never ending story and no one is exempt it does not matter if you're an R&B artist a jazz artist or a gospel artist no one is exempt so you want to start with the first degree let's start with the first degree go ahead you hit it off well this is so easy the first degree is church (laughs) (laughs) this is my testimony everybody how God favored me in spite of my enemies. Did Hezekiah have a, have a back to church moment? Did he leave? Did he come back? What did we discover about Hezekiah? Well, first of all, 
he was Pentecostal, so he never left the church, okay? Because if you're Pentecostal, you don't ever leave, right? Like, <laughs> you just kind of stay there, and you have your lunch in your purse, right? Because <laughs> you sound like it's a gang, like you got to get jumped out. <laughs> it just, you know, okay, let's keep it real. If you've ever grown up in the black church, right? Mm-hmm. It's very different from Catholicism where you're kind of in and out. You might be there for the morning service. You might go to Popeye's and get yourself a two-piece and a biscuit. And then you come on back for the for the evening service, a correct? A lot of us spend all day. So yeah. he never left the church because that Pentecostal background, this is where you live. And he definitely was rooted in it from his mother. Yeah. Right? This is all he knew. His father had left the family and his mother was really the one familiar story that holds it down. (laughs) No shade, but shade holds it down. And so once again, we have this man who was looking at his mother as a superhero and looking at how his mother embraces God. And he takes that, takes her faith and plants it in him. And that becomes his strength. It's going to be very important along his path. It is important along his path because unfortunately his mother died when he was 21. And like so many artists and so many creatives, it was the grief and the depression that he went through after this that led him into making one of my favorite Hezekiah songs, which is actually the first Hezekiah Walker song that I ever heard, which is I'll Make It. the first time I heard this. I was on PBS. It was a PBS gospel special. I had never heard of Hezekiah Walker ever, but I do remember that song and just how powerful it was. I remember Devon Franklin talking about um, in Hezekiah Walker's songs, the importance of not just the harmony, but the affirmations in his songs. And that's one thing that he's really known for is just those things that you just proclaim over and over again until they really get into your spirit. But that's what we say about the power of music, right? Music can make you feel uplifted. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's so important that he got these words. You know, he talks about how in in his depression, he had quit his job. He was living in the projects, not paying the bills. And he was ready just to die, honest to goodness. And he said, something said to me, are you going to allow your mother's death to cause you to die? Or do you want to live? And that pushed him. Those words pushed out of him. You know what? We can get up. We can do it. I can make it. And if I can make it through this, guess what? You can make it. That's one of those songs that you hear and it does not take long for you to either be moved to tears or moved to have hope. Like I remember someone telling me they said that um, while they love CCM music, you know, in general, gospel music will move you and minister to you quickly. And he's always had that ability to, from the first line, the first lyric, the first harmony just to be ministered to that quickly. And that's one thing that I think is so great about his music. So he went from there, right? What I love about him is that he took, he's okay, I have a song, but he actually created a choir. Yeah, he didn't wait to get signed. He didn't wait to do anything like that. He really created his own. He created the Love Fellowship Choir because if I have a song, I'm going to need somebody who's going to sing. I need some background vocals. I need altos and tenors and sopranos. Right? I'm going to need to teach them how to do these harmonies. And so he built this choir just with the purpose of spreading the gospel. Right? That's also where he met his wife to be. That is where he met his wife. He started a church in East New York City, the murder capital of the world. I did not know that East New York was the murder capital of the world. 
And he did it on purpose. On purpose. He's like, where is the worst place in New York? I will go there. Right? So he's inspired because right then and there, he's like, I just want to help people. It's so easy to go where everything's already in place. But the people who really need you, you have to go and be ready, be ready to serve. I don't know if I would have signed up for that. I didn't know that about him. I think that around the time Hezekiah Walker came out was the time of John P. Key and like all the, that was a huge time for choirs. And so we really didn't know the stories behind people like Hezekiah and John P. Key. I just thought pretty much they were just born in a pew. Everybody, <laughs> you know, born in a pew. Everybody was a pastor. Everybody was like, I... I never really, everybody was from Detroit. I, that's another thing. I didn't know he was from New York. I thought everybody in gospel music was from Detroit. So to know that he really took it upon himself, not just as a musician and a writer, but also as a minister, to take all of that into New York and not just musically, but also to preach, I thought was pretty dope. Well, it didn't take too long after that before record companies started uh, looking and, and saying, wait a minute, who is this that's touring everywhere? And we're not getting a piece of this percentage. Because <laughs> he did like a live album in London. He, he was and, doing a whole bunch of stuff. Right. He was like on high demand. Yeah. And it was, I believe, Benson Records in 1992. It was like, sign on the dotted line. Like, we can go ahead and record you. We can go ahead and get 50%. I'm sorry. I don't even know if it's 50%. <laughs> we can go ahead and get a chunk because this is a business <laughs> of money. <laughs> and But it was good because guess what? That's how his message, that's how the music, right? We, we need record companies. Yeah. I don't know if you agree with that statement. You needed a record company. Back then. During that time. <laughs> and I think bringing it back to the whole Six Degrees of the Barge thing, um, it didn't look like he had those woes that a lot of people had, right. which is good. His manager was also on the show, and it seems like every step of the way, they pretty much had everything in order. I've never heard anything about Hezekiah Walker as far as so-and-so didn't get paid. You know what I mean? Like, that's prevalent. So-and-so took this much of my publishing. Yeah. I'm singing lead on all these songs I'm not getting cuts from. Yes. Like, I've never heard that about Hezekiah Walker. They had the business part on lock. Mm -hmm. That's, like, kudos, right? Yeah. Won't he make you So there weren't really any business, business deals that went left. No addiction issues that we heard about. Pretty clean. Won't he make you clean inside? Okay, can we stop for a second? Not stop, but okay. can we just can we talk about clean inside for a second? Are those the only lyrics to this song? Yes. Why am I just noticing this? It's a Hezekiah Walker song. It toy. slaps though. That's what like they Won't started. You clean inside. That's it. That's 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 like they they started singing it and I was like but I never realized that's all there is there is no bridge there is no second verse there's really no first verse I just I never realized that about Hezekiah Walker's songs until unsung I don't want to take that out I'm sorry I was stunned I said <laughs> that in a church if, if a choir director needs a quick song a Hezekiah Walker song will do. You can't mess up the you lyrics. You can't mess up the lyrics. Because it's the same lyrics. And people will go in, right? As soon as you say, won't even make, that's it. Everybody is just gone, and that's right. it. So, I mean, hey, what he did, it works. As far as 
relationship issues go, you brought up that um, the choir is how he met his wife, Monique. And I really liked hearing her perspective because she said something that I think a lot of people don't really take into account. She said that being a first lady in the church was tough because she was a newlywed. She was a new mom. And now she's the first lady of a church. And I don't think that people understand the toll that that takes on a person. You're constantly being looked at. And I don't, I don't know how anyone can do all of that at the same time. I think um, for those listeners who didn't grow up in the traditional black church setting, um, she was basically the Michelle Obama of the church. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, right. If you think about yeah. it, because if you know anything about being the first lady, you're expected to be everywhere. Yeah. You're expected to stand by your husband. You're expected to smile. You're expected to lay hands and pray and, and not have any issues because you're taking care of other people's issues. And you're trying to figure out how to balance the love of my life, which is my husband, and the love of my life, which is God, and the love of my life, which is <laughs> my child, and, and my, my child, ch- and my child. Yeah. And um, I don't think there's a lot of direction. Oh no, in that area. Yeah. And we've seen some people in real life just kind of go left on that. I don't know how you just don't check out because not only was she all those things but her husband's also an artist so you have people that don't even know anything about his church and know about him being hezekiah walker so you're hezekiah walker the singer's wife how you do that and be married and you know learning all those things in marriage and learning how about to be a mom and i i don't know how she just and we can throw in something that they didn't include but i can guarantee you because as a woman i can guarantee you <laughs> It took place. There was some chicks throwing those bones trying to get, you know, you know, I can make this peach cobbler for you, baby. We're just talking about in the world. And I don't mean that in a churchy way. I mean, like being on earth, people will try you. People will try you at any high position. Yo, yo, hands, you ready to do this? Because I'm ready. Uh-huh. It's the B to the B to the J-A-Y. Uh-huh. talked about um, Hezekiah Walker's influence on R&B. One thing that I didn't know that I thought was really dope is somehow Faith Evans would come into rehearsals, so would Coco and Kelly Price. All of them have come out with gospel projects, but it's very clear, like, in their vocals that this is what they grew up around. One thing, and you know me, so you know I get on my high horse, not my, my pedestal about this, when he was talking about when um, the song Dance, when he had a dance. I don't think there was a church praise team, dance team that did not dance to that song. And he was talking about the backlash that he got because, I mean, that song was dope. It had Dave Hollister, remember? Had BBJ, which was like the Christian version of Biggie during that time. You know, it was always like a Christian version of whatever rapper. And he received backlash from it, even though a lot of people really loved it. That irritated me so much because... If anything, people should be happy, you know, that th- a song like this is crossing over. Okay, so let me get on my, my Christian soapbox for a minute. People listening, let us be honest about some things. First of all, King David danced straight out of his clothes. He did, out of his clothes, danced naked. <laughs> Wife was a hater. <laughs> right, she's embarrassed. On. King David literally danced out of his clothes. 
He had a full band and he was a musician himself. Okay. When we look back at gospel music, we tend to want to box music in, right? We've seen this over and over again. Kirk Franklin went through the same thing. Uh, the Clark sisters with you brought the, the sunshine went yeah. through the exact same thing. There's this thought that if you are a Christian and you listen to gospel music, gospel music should only stay within the church, which is ridiculous because gospel is called good news. Exactly. And good news should go beyond the four walls of the church. Mm-hmm. So it was reeling people in. And for some people who think that church is boring, he was saying, guess what? We can love Jesus and have fun at the same time. They're not mutually exclusive. Right. Stop hating on people. <laughs> and I think from a creative standpoint, it really frustrates me when people don't allow Christian artists to express themselves musically in any direction. Like, just because I say I'm a believer doesn't mean that everything I do needs to sound like old rugged cross. Like that doesn't make any kind of sense. Why? Like it's not the chords that makes it Christian. It's the heart behind it. So you have like the BBJ, Dave Hollister thing. Okay. But you have Puffy who contacts Hezzy uh-huh. and is like, hey man, like you're, you make gospel, the gospel comfortable. Okay. Now you and I disagree what? how we perceive this. Okay, so, knowing what we know about Puffy, and it, you know, he kind of lives in Puffy world <laughs> and does anything that Puffy wants to, do, wants to do, I personally interpreted that as, hey man, I can listen to you and not feel any kind of conviction about anything that I'm doing. So, good job. <laughs> I didn't take it that way. I took it as, you take the message of the gospel musically and make it so that I want to hear it. You, in the way that, and not just that, but also the way that he preaches sermons, because remember, this guy is still a pastor. So he made it so that in not wearing, well, he still wore suits and stuff, but not being so conservative that he made it so that the gospel and being a believer in Jesus Christ is attainable. Not like this stuffy, like I said, everything is not the old rugged cross, you know, not this traditional thing. So that's how I took it. And I think that this is also speaks back to Faith Evans being at rehearsals with Faith, Puffy, you know, everything, Coco, Kelly Price, who also sang on Bad Boy stuff. Like these are all people that were greatly influenced by his sound. And I think that's because he made it so palatable to everyone. Well, personally, I think Kelly, what she did was that after finishing at Donnie McClurkin's rehearsal, Mm-hmm. she just took the subway over to his church. Because, you know, she was under Donnie McClurkin. She was going to sing regardless is what you say. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you and I, we will agree to disagree on that whole Puffy thing. I don't think Puffy's that deep. I don't think he's that deep. But if you do, you want to give him that extra, you know, extra credit bonus points, you can have it. <laughs> well, he became the hip-hop pastor at that point because Puffy said he was so relatable. What the heck is a hip hop pastor? He, I guess, he became the hip hop pastor. What he does was that the pastor mean? Pastor of hip hop, because I think it makes. If you're in East New York or you grew up in New York, and you have some questions about God, you have some questions about the purpose of your life and all that kind of stuff. Are you going? Are you going to be quicker to go to a pastor like Hezekiah Walker, or are you going to be quicker to go to a pastor like? 
Rest Charles in Stanley. Peace. Cos- no, Charles Stanley. Yeah, or um, Frederick Price. Oh, yes. Rest in peace. Rest in peace, Frederick Price. You understand what I'm saying? Yes. Like, that's the difference. It's like, yes. am I going to go to a church where I feel like I can walk in with my Tims and my hoodie? I like those whatever. churches. I like those churches, too. I actually mm-hmm. like pastors that dress like that, but yes. that's a whole other topic for another day. <laughs> um, I like a redeemed thug, but never mind. So, I think <laughs> I say all that to say... That's why I felt that he said what he said is that he just felt more comfortable being and dressing how he would. Not saying that he would just walk into church with them shiny suits and all, but you, you've given me a, an epiphany tonight because hip hop. When you think about hip hop, it's really kind of like this male dominated field, mm-hmm. and so maybe with him being a hip hop pastor, maybe black men, young black urban men. Mm-hmm. Felt like they could connect to him. Yeah. So if that's the way to open up the door to lead them to God, then you know what, Puffy? Kudos to you. Kudos to you. Kirk Franklin's been the same way. If you look at, he's not so vocal about it. You'll hear other artists talk about him before you'll really hear him talk about it. But if you see him with other artists, like Kanye was a big one, Justin Mm -hmm. Bieber, other artists that I've seen him with, they're like, this is this is my brother. This is someone that I can come to about my problems and questions about God. Then um, they just don't feel comfortable going to someone that's more traditional. And we need people like that. We need people like that everywhere, whether it be Absolutely. music, entertainment, law, whatever. We need people like that everywhere. So I'm grateful for his testimony in, in that aspect, in his ministry in that aspect. So even though, I mean, there's, you know, the upside of Hezekiah Walker being able to relate to so many villages in East New York, the roughest part of town, you know, he's relating to the hip hop community. Unfortunately, things were not as smooth over at home. And so he was really having, him and his wife were having a lot of difficulties. And, you know, it's one thing that I remember growing up in church hearing that your house is your first ministry. And that's so much easier said than done because you feel like you have this big responsibility over this congregation, but really you have more of a responsibility to your family. And that unfortunately did not have a good end. That broke my heart. It did. Really, because they truly loved each other. You don't get the impression that they didn't love each other. You don't get the impression that they didn't come into a relationship together for the wrong reasons. But life, like oftentimes, gets in the way, right? Work. That's not unusual, right? You hear about relationships that end because somebody spent too much time at work. And what his his ex-wife says, Monique says, is he was so passionate about the church. I'm sure he was trying to make everybody happy and trying to meet the needs of everybody. And sometimes in relationship, you think, that other person can understand. You'll understand. You'll understand. I'll make it up to you later. And she was starving. And so she ends up leaving. Like leaving the church because how could she stay? And so she was hurt. But the great thing is that when they kind of came full circle, right? Because they're like the best of friends. They talk all the time. But they do have a daughter, so they're connected forever. Listen, I have seen some people that have children and they are not connected forever. (laughs) Okay, um, in my own household, my mom was like, "Make sure that your dad doesn't know where I live." So no, that is, <laughs> that is not <laughs> real talk, real tea. Make sure he doesn't have my address. So I mean, their daughter is grown now, but they they talk about how they're friends and they talk all the time. 
you know and so there's this little part of me that's like toes and fingers crossed i really did want to see them come back together there's something that he said that i actually really admired though because i usually don't hear pastors say something like this he said the lord put us together but we let other things rip it apart and a lot of times what you'll hear within Christian artists or preachers or whatever, anyone within churchdom. I don't, I don't like to like lump that in with Christianity because they're not the same thing. So let's say within churchdom is, well, things happen for a reason or, you know, God saw the reason behind it. And sometimes the reason behind it is somebody screwed up. That's the reason. Like, it's not like it was anybody, like it was God's will. And he, no, it's somebody screwed up. And so he had no doubt that it was the Lord that put us together, put them together. But at the end, we have free will. And unfortunately, it was ripped apart. I would love to see them get back together. I mean, no, it's none of my business, but <laughs> I would love to see them get back well, together. Well, think about what Monique said. Monique said, I don't think there is anyone in the world that I respect and honor more than him. Hmm. Just stop and meditate. See lot on that. <laughs> I respect and honor. There's a whole, you can respect somebody, but to honor them, to hold them in high esteem. So they have figured out their differences. They are best of friends. And she walks away and says, I can tell you though, what he does for the people is genuine. Mm. She honors him because she sees that he's genuine. And so I'm like, you know what? I never knew that about Hezekiah Walker. Not saying that I ever thought that he was phony, not at all. Yeah. But you just never knew him. You knew the songs. And so to see and hear this story where he's like, I just want to make a difference in my community. And his ex-wife, who I'm assuming is not getting any checks. <laughs> okay, I'm just saying. She's saying... He's the real deal. I'm yeah. telling you, this man, not on purpose, but we lost our whole, our whole marriage because he's the real deal. He's that passionate about the people of God. Marriage ain't for everybody. So I, I think it could be for them. I think I think I felt something. But I mean, if you think about it, a lot of pastors, a lot of priests, a lot of you know people in those positions, just they either never marry or they never remarry, and it's because of where they they hold that. So. Hey, you know, I, I hope I hope it works out for them. And then if he decides, no, my, my marriage is to my ministry, then so be it. Godspeed. this story is happily ever after or a never ending story i think it's happily ever after why because um when they wrapped it up they were talking about how every praise he's had i mean just spectacular success from the 90s up until very recently and so he's been relevant in every era of gospel from then until now for every praise to be um the song of the decade on Billboard for that to be a song that's sung and not just in like black gospel churches, but also like in a lot of predominantly white or multi-ethnic churches, non-denominational, you know what I mean? Like not just, you know, strictly Pentecostal or anything like that. Um, he continues to put out music that really touches people. And so I don't think that it's a never ending story. Like he's still trying to reach certain 
you know, accolades and certain awards. I think it's happy, happily ever after story. All right. I'm going to put you on the spot. Okay. I need your favorite Hezekiah Walker song. Uh, the Lord will make a way somehow. This journey may not be easy. I like it because there's this lyric and he goes, and I just don't want to be bothered. And I just don't want to be bothered. <laughs> I was like, I understand that. I thought that in myself. And it's not even like a slow song. You know, like it's not like one of them slow, you know, it's just, it goes back to like what Devon Franklin was talking about, how his songs combine great harmonies and great musicality, but also great affirmations. And yeah, I, that's, that's my jam. I like the original though, much more than the Kimberella version. I like the original much more. All right, so... I have like a three-way tie, right? I love I'll Be Satisfied. Oh, I forgot about that. Because that song you can sing for like 20 minutes. Like you can get a good <laughs> church collection off of that song. Okay. <laughs> then he did a song um, called No Greater Love. But it sounds like it's Aaron Hall. He sounds like Aaron Hall doing the lead. Uh-huh. So it's like, yo, is Teddy Riley producing this? And I can make it get on up. The great thing about him, right, is that you walk away feeling like if you were heavy when you walked in his church or before his song, you feel like you can walk out and do anything. This is very true. I have a friend of mine who's Jewish and (laughs) my buddy, and he called me one day and he was like, you know what my jam is? Like Mr. Jam. He was like, there's a song called Every Praise. I was like, what? He was like, I know I'm Jewish, but sometimes I just like to sing hear these songs about people like just singing real hard about Jesus. And this song, Every Praise. I said, Well, if you like that, I said, let me send you like some other like songs that I think you'll like. And he loves gospel. Like he just loves it, which is a great testament to Hezekiah Walker's music. But think about every praise, right? How that broke the the Hezekiah mold. It did. That was a that was a little different. It wasn't as quote unquote gospelish sounding. As it wasn't. Far as genre. It wasn't as urban. It wasn't as urban. It wasn't as urban sounding. However, it touched me. Like I remember going to a church and somebody like started singing it, and I just broke out in tears. Like, where did that come from? Because usually with a Hezekiah Walker song, I don't cry. But it was like you know what the difference is. It was a worship song. Yeah, and there is there is a there's a difference between a praise song and a worship song, and the worship song is like when you're singing directly to God, and you're and you're acknowledging who He is, and I think He was smart in coloring outside of His own Hezekiah box, Mm -hmm. even when His group did not understand that. Like this is not. Wait a minute, you have verses. What is this? And he's like, sometimes, sometimes you have to do this because we're more than this. Yeah. You know? And he's a smart musician. And I think that's, I think like it goes back to what you're saying. A lot of times in the gospel music, we don't allow artists to be smart musicians or smart creatives. We're like, you're in this gospel box and you will do these chords and you will do this organ and you will do, you know, and the fact that he went outside of that so much to the point of 
they didn't bring this up. Remember that story about that little boy that was kidnapped? Yes. And he was in the backseat of the car and he just kept singing every praise. He just kept singing and singing and singing. And the kidnapper was like, you can go. <laughs> like, he, like he let him true go. True story. That's yeah. a true story. That is, I mean, that was. Woo! He let him go. Hezekiah Walker found out about it, and they, the little boy, was in church, and they started pr- um, praying. Uh, sorry, I'm getting emotional. They started playing every praise, and Hezekiah Hezekiah Walker comes out, and he's singing it, and the little boy is there, and Hezekiah Walker. I remember him saying that. If that song, if he created that song just for that moment to save that little boy's life, then it was all worth it. And you think about it, that little boy might have been sitting in the back of that car and that still small voice says, I just want you to start praising me, sing this song. Don't, don't take me in, Nikki. Don't. I'll start I'm, I'm, I'm crying. Just, I'm don't, just saying though, right? Don't, don't bring this moment to me right now. This I is how it, this is how it works. That still small voice will tell you right now in the midst of all this, I want you to start praising me. Think about, think about the disciples in prison. They were incarcerated and they started started praising God in prison gates Mm -hmm. and an earthquake came and the gates came open. They could have run out. And when the guard came, hallelujah. When the guard came, he uh, saw they were still there. They said, we are still here. He was about to me. take I his will. life and gave his own. That is how, won't he do it? Nikki, I will run to the Ben Franklin Bridge. Won't do he right do now. it? He did. I'm the Nikki, don't do this to me right now. Well, anyway, this is, <laughs> this was a happily ever after story for Hezekiah Walker. We're so grateful for his music. So grateful for his ministry. So grateful for his influence on 90s R&B. <laughs> grateful for his influence on 90s R&B and this was a good episode and Nikki do you feel that Hezekiah Walker is unsung he was unsung yes we we needed this was a true unsung moment and now I feel complete uh plus we can get a new album out I'm I'm all for that (laughs) but yes we thank unsung for recognizing Hezekiah Walker that's it for this episode of Unsung Unwrapped. You can find us on social media at Unsung Unwrapped, on Facebook, on the Twitter, on Instagram. I'm live tweeting on Sunday nights with the rest of the Unsung Ambassadors. Again, for Unsung Unwrapped, I'm Toya Haynes. And I'm Nikki Wright. Thanks for tuning in. Unsung Unwrapped.